and meet us with though. I'm in uh, QSO VSO West and here I am in Vernon. Always lucky to meet amazing people in each city that I go to. And today in Vernon I'm with Mike and and Barb, and, and Barb Angel and they went to Guyana. They're kind of the early, one of the some of the early crew. What year did we go, Barb? You Ni go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wish I was Nineteen sixty-seven, and uh, that year was the centennial of Canada, and uh, that was the year that Kiso was um, had a goal of sending one thousand volunteers overseas, and we were actually Yay. living in uh, Iowa City at the time, where my husband was working on a master's degree, and we had two young children, and we had applied to CETA, but. Um, there, um, he was looking at a posting in Kampala at McCreary College. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> where I'm from. <laughs> yes, and uh, wow. that was very slow to be confirmed. This was through CETA, right? And uh, so uh, we were looking at alternatives, and we had friends who had gone overseas to Guyana with CUSO, and so they suggested, why don't you apply to CUSO? And so we did, and we were very doubtful because we thought that the children would be a problem for them. We both had university degrees, so we were both qualified to teach. So we were willing to go as co-cooperants rather than as a... They had no spousal uh, support program then. Uh, it was... Uh, if I went, I worked. And uh, it was... Uh, um, the salary conditions were that um, we were paid on the local scale. There was no financial support from CUSO other than transportation to and from the place of work. All right. What did you study, Barb, in university? At the University of Alberta. Alberta. And what did you study? History. History. Oh, okay. And what did you do in Guyana? Did you teach? I taught, yes. And what um, subjects? <laughs> oh, okay. there's, there's the joke, right? There's the joke, yes. I went to, we were both assigned to a school in, in Burbase, which is one of the three major uh, regions of Guyana, and at that time uh, there were about five volunteers from different organizations, including QSO, VSO, and Peace Corps. Oh, okay. And among the five or six of us, there were four history graduates. Whoa! Which meant that there was a surplus of history graduates, and Mike and I were the last two to arrive. So I ended up teaching, are you ready for this? Latin. Oh my god! <laughs> French. Mm -hmm. English. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of history. The second year, I taught geography, which was very um, interesting and formed a film and geography field club did all sorts of touring with my students, but I moved to Georgetown at the second year, so okay. the second posting was a lot more appropriate for my interests and my um, education. education. Yeah, right. And Mike, what did you do then? Well, I was another Oh, okay. So I taught English language. Mm -hmm. um, what did they call it now? Um, religious studies which meant the Gospel according to St. Mark, I think it was. Really? <laughs> uh, and uh, I taught uh, uh, some history, okay. but it was ma mainly religious knowledge and uh, history. Where did you go to university? U of A, same yeah. thing. 
UVA, and then you were in the States doing your master's. Uh, well, yes. Uh, I, I then went off and did a master, uh, master's de uh, a degree in library science at UBC. Oh, okay. Uh, and came back and worked in libraries, but decided that I wanted to uh, go back to university, so I went, went to, we went to Iowa to uh, where I both uh, worked on my master's degree and uh, worked in the library there. Okay. And then sitting with us is your daughter, and it's Jeanette. Jeanette, how old were you when these two got people decided to go overseas? Apparently I was 18 months. A year and a half. <laughs> okay, a year and a half old. Yeah. And uh, any memories? Yes. The ocelot prowling around the top of the mosquito netting canopy that we had on our bed that we were taking care of an ocelot for friends of ours. And I oh, how nice. Ocelot. Lovely. For the one and a half year old. Good. She was, I love cats. Oh, she was two and a half. Two and a half. half. <laughs> I love cats. I didn't have a problem with it at all. Smells, lots of smell memories, and I don't know if this is a memory or if this is uh, uh, something that someone has told me, and so I've eternalized it as a memory now, but I remember my older brother standing at a chain-link fence, staring through the fence, and somebody on the other side of the fence calling out to him, Blue eyes. Blue eyes. Yeah, blue eyes. I didn't have blue eyes, and I... So I remember that. Do too. you think that this experience of your parents being in Guyana changed them in any way? Changed my parents? Yeah, like your parents today. Completely. Ooh. Completely? Oh, yeah. Tell me. Well, I think I was saying to someone recently that there was a way of wanting to know that we had had a different experience and sharing that difference in every situation that we were in as opposed to di different similarity but always wanting to talk about connection and talk across all of those things as opposed to just assuming that everybody had the same experience okay and so there was all the always an idea that the world was made up of all of those differences so you know that the world is a small place the world is a large place it kind of goes back and forth all the time so you're lucky to have had these parents. Okay, we'll get her. Next subject. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be here. <laughs> uh, so we're, we were talking earlier about development and about how you feel about it. And um, I, wanted, I want you to tell me about the experience of a family going overseas, working together. How, what do you think that would be different? compared to a single person going overseas? Um, on a very basic level, the first thing that struck me was that um, I was in um, a, a situation where I had ch a child still in diapers and there were no washing facilities for me to operate, like a laundromat or a, a even large sinks or whatever and that I was expected to turn this work over to someone else who did this for a living. And coming from North America, I was very much a North American woman. Uh, you know, do all your own household tasks. You don't... Uh, having other people do these things for you was, was demeaning to them. And I felt really hung up about it for the first 
couple weeks and then I realized huh, there's a lot of what? shitty diapers lying around. Somebody's got to do them. Help. <laughs> Help, exactly. This was before um, the curse of disposables. Yeah. You know, there was no such thing as disposable diapers. We packed Tw- 20 cloth diapers with Didn't us. I also end up a lot of time without a diaper at all? Oh, absolutely. That's a when, great place. Wait, yeah. 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 The we, we were in the, we were in the, in the, in the, um, you know, in the equatorial zone, right? We were four degrees north of the equator in Guyana. And so the climate was very hot, very humid. You don't have a child walking around in a uh, wet, stinky diaper for more than five minutes without a real chafing problem. So, the, the kid's Jeanette was potty trained, really, by the lady who was looking after her during the day while I was teaching, just by leaving her diaper off. <laughs> and as soon as anything appeared imminent, she would rush her to the toilet and plant her, and that was it. <laughs> so so, so and being a family, you, you would probably integrate better into a community. Well, on you? a higher level, that was the point I was making before. <laughs> before we got to diapers? Before, going, before we got to diapers, um. that... that I really believed at the time, and Guyanese people told us too, that we understand you, you are a family. We know what you're doing here, although we don't really know why you're here, because it seems like you're uh, subjecting your children. Hmm? You must be crazy. Yeah, we must be crazy, because we're subjecting our, our children to hardship, to um, health dangers. And and also because we were far away from our relatives and we were in an area where extended family ties were very, very important. I mean, the grandparents were most, a lot of the time, primary caregivers for the children because there were a lot of single-parent families. Many of the teachers we worked with were single parents and so Grandmama was at home and, and uh, looking after the children. And so they they had a hard time figuring out how we could handle this without the support network of the extended family mm-hmm. and uh, and yet because we were a family we were more approachable and uh, they they welcomed us they welcomed us into their homes we um, participated in a lot of celebrations of, of birthdays and uh, the various mm-hmm. religious festivals you know Guyana has three major religions which all of the um, festivals are acknowledged in the Constitution and, and the holidays, school holidays are given and we had wonderful opportunities, you know, we shared uh, Ramadan or the feast following Ramadan with our uh, Muslim um, landlord, landlord and landlady. Uh, we had um, uh, Hindu friends who uh, um, we shared a holiday up in the Holy. interior with, uh, with Diwali and, and uh, Holi the powder and the purple dye <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, just you know it was what Jeanette was talking about was the multiplicity of experiences that life has the out there if you're willing to be open to it and, and approach it with uh, the idea of cultural relativity you know I think that's that's what a family forces you to approach it on that level whereas if you're single as we knew, many of our co-volunteers were, were yes. single, and we had a tremendous attrition rate that year in that group. I think 50% ended up leaving. Yeah, because they could not negotiate the personal relationships in that society. It was so difficult, and many of them were isolated and uh, did not have enough of a support group you know, around them.
we had uh, friends that were in Guyana with us that ended up coming back to Winnipeg and we all grew up together and so I had friends from Guyana who were there at the same time as me going oh, really? to school in the same school as me and we were best friends until I ended up going off to another school and so those relationships continued continued on. yeah and speaking of so, so they, they were with Kita. Oh, I see. Speaking of continued relationship with the country, tonight we had a potluck, and uh, you, Mike, cooked some food for us. And uh, you said, well, I cooked one curry to be a little more Indian, and the other curry to be a bit more Guyanese. So from a, from a flavor perspective, what's the difference? <laughs> Come on. What's the, how do Guyanese cook different from Indians? Oh, Guyanese cook like Indians, but it's like any community that gets separated from its roots. Mm. You, you don't have all the the various things that you have at home, so you have to make do with with different things. So you 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 develop different ways of doing it, or you you have limits on what you can do. You know, so that if you're cooking, to go at it backwards, if you're cooking Indian food. Uh, you know, you you can you, you there's such a wide variety of spices, and we make our own cur curry, and, and and you you usually they tend to ha add much more uh, coriander type of uh, than a Guyanese curry, which oh has less coriander, and less coriander, and a, a lot of um, turmeric really, uh, and oh, and, it's a, and a lot of a, lo a lot of hot pepper sauce in it too because. Okay. There, because there were a lot of blacks there too, oh, okay. and blacks ate curries as well, uh, and uh, you know, so it, it, they, it they kind of uh, semi-integrated, if you want, <laughs> on the food level, anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I have to say, whenever you have, whenever you meet a QSO or VSO volunteer, you must ask them to cook you something because when you have potlucks with these guys, it's always tasty. <laughs> I, I want to ask you what you came home with after going away for those two years. Tell, tell me a story or something that you brought back with you, something that today even sometimes crosses your mind, besides mm. your daughter who came <laughs> back with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Some insights. Yeah. Um, I think probably... Um, the biggest insight was that um, wisdom is found everywhere in every culture and that everybody has their own truth, their own way of doing things and that we can all learn from each other and um, it radicalized me tremendously it did eh? oh yeah, I was very very angry at the arrogance of the Western culture for a long time. And uh, when I had an opportunity to go back to university, actually in my 40s, I ended up studying and, and writing about peasants in Yucatan, Mexico, from the perspective of their struggle to survive in the midst of a civil war and their desire to simply live a life was based on agriculture, subsistence agriculture, and do things the way that they knew how, without interference 
from the outside and the experts and, and the push to modernize. Yes. And and so I, in when I say radical, what I meant was that I came back with the sense that the people had their own needs and they could identify them and that that's where so-called development had to start. Yes. And Mike actually wrote a post um, uh, service uh, report, if you will, a, a sort of a debriefing for CUSO, which basically questioned why volunteers were in Guyana in particular, and, and the program was withdrawn within a year or so, because there were many, many skilled people there, and the tragedy was that the country was bleeding them, like the, they, they were all leaving, because they felt helpless within okay. the system. The, the, the brain drain that was Yeah, right. And happening. and we felt that CUSO was simply, it was like scab labor in a strike. You okay. Know? Uh -huh. Yeah, what, what are we doing there? Because these people have their own skilled people, their own highly educated. I mean, when we were in Guyana, no, the yeah, the ambassador to, to the, the United Nations was, um, oh, what was his name? He, he wrote To Serve With Love, the book, the, the film. Braithwaite. Hmm? Braithwaite. Yes. Braithwaite. Yeah. Braithwaite. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. And and um, yeah, Derek Walcott was writing in in um, in. Um, is he from Grenada or? No, he's, uh, he's from the islands. But from the was, islands. Yeah. But he was uh, there was a uh, there was a nascent uh, form of um, self understanding beginning, and that was another thing that got me particularly put off because I, both when I was teaching, because uh, there is a, a, a spoken language, which Creolese basically, uh, which the kids all spoke, and uh, they had grave difficulties with the English language, and, and uh, they looked down upon the Creolese. Uh, and yet, at the same time, West Indian mm -hmm. literature was beginning to develop with Creoles. So what we ended up doing is trying to develop ways of getting them to look at them as two different languages. And of equal value. Of yes. equal value, mm -hmm. and you use them in different ways. So we had them writing stories, speaking Creoles, but using English language in between, so that they could ah. look at them. Mm -hmm. they could How look creative! At the and you know, and this, this type of thing. But it was, you know, we, I, my second year, I used my library training, working for the Minister of Education. I went all over the country, which was fantastic. But trying to set up school libraries, and you got books from Canada, from U.S., from Great Britain, uh, that were totally inappropriate. And I used to get so angry. I, we had. 600 copies of um, Moby, Moby Dick, Dick should have had Michel sent to the uh, schools there because they thought it was a children's story. <gasps> oh my there. goodness. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. I really see what you're saying. Yeah, so so it, was, it, it was cultural imperialism at its worst. <laughs> you know what? I, I think sometimes that still exists in this world today. Actually, it does. So I'll be clear. I, I feel it does. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know what I feel that when I meet QSO RVs, I, I feel like I'm meeting enlightened people sometimes, that they've seen that, and then they can come back 
and come back with that 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 toolbox that says, you know, we're not better. In fact, we've got a lot to learn. We got a lot to learn. Well, yeah. we Barb, because uh, we had a third kid while we were in Guyana. Oh. On the way. On, on the, the way. way. Not yeah. right. He was born in Winnipeg, but so uh, so she cut back on her her teaching, but she went to work for uh, somebody in uh, Winnipeg doing development education and for so for years we did a lot of work on development education which okay. was trying to teach people rather than raising money to save the world to understand what was going on in other places mm -hmm. and, and then we also got quite involved with First Nations issues with Aboriginal stuff and Mike ended up doing his doctoral thesis on um, uh, Anishinaabe religious beliefs wow. so yeah, this is Ojibwe people around yeah. the Great Lakes region. Because the issues, we were very quick to uh, pick up on the arguments that were being made by some of the First Nations people at the time that we are a fourth world within Canada. And Why were you all, going over to these? Yeah, when, <laughs> when there was so much. Right yeah. Particularly when, Winnipeg. When, when, when Guyanese yeah. were coming over and teaching in the yeah. or so, in to to come back to the idea that you you went overseas, and I think that uh, you came back with so much so much more. I think you came back with a lot, and I think that we all need to thank not only our returned volunteers for their service, but those that worked with them in the field, mm. so that they came back to yeah. Canada to yeah. be these more enlightened. Mm -hmm. people and have wonderful <laughs> children like Jeanette and, uh, and I would say the other thing about you guys is leading purposeful lives is something that I think is really really important and I thank you for thank taking you. the time to meet me and Vernon yes. and keep up the hard work I know you continue to do public engagement many years after you've done did your service and so if there's anybody in Vernon that wants to know about us, uh, let's uh, come and talk to <laughs> the angels, and, uh, or Jeanette even, and uh, we'll be ha they'll be happy to talk to you. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Very nice Thank to you. meet you, too. Thanks, Mike, for the good Thank curry. <laughs> <laughs> All right.